You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, May 7th, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap review and dissect the abc series once upon a time please welcome my co-hosts heather bishop what's up guys jenna pace hey everybody katie hello everyone and Vinny hatcher hey guys let's get into it everyone let's jump into our recap of season seven episode 20 which was titled is this henry mills and aired may 4th 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Ronnie enlists Lucy's help to wake Henry and stop Gothel, but things don't go as planned. Meanwhile, Rogers and Weaver go to Margot in hopes of freeing Tilly before her magic can be used to power the spell. In a flashback, Young Henry struggles to decide what path to follow until a mysterious phone call helps put him on track. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 20. The episode was viewed by 2 million total viewers with a .4 in the demo rating. It dipped a tenth to return to its demo low. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and let's start off with Vinny. Uh, fanboying all over the place. I, oh my god, I loved it. I absolutely, hands down, I'll give it to you this way, at one point I actually got all verklempt and started getting teary-eyed because of reminiscing about callbacks to previous seasons, so I thought it was a really phenomenal episode. Heather? It was kind of a roller coaster ride for me because I started off a little hesitant about it after last episode, but it was fan- it was phenomenal. After that, it was awesome. It was it was everything that I really have been waiting to see in this season, and I feel like it really came to a nice uh, end point in in a, in a lot of ways. So I enjoyed it a lot this this episode. Jenna. I mostly liked this episode. I felt that a, a lot of plot aspects were handled, handled brilliantly and resulted in some amazing scenes. And then there were some elements that just 
felt a little rushed, and one element that we'll get to that pissed me off. Oh. Oh. Well, then you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly what she's talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wrote a whole post about it. She really <gasps> did. It's on the Tumblr, so make sure to <laughs> use the Google to find it. <laughs> Thank you, Killian Jones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a compliment. All right. Um, I should have had Jenna go first then, because everyone else has been so wonderful up until Jenna. She soured it. <laughs> Teasing. I'm sorry. I know. Uh-huh. Katie, I'm so I... scared to ask you, because you I'm have gonna... been... <laughs> Like, in a rebellious teenage I, phase. I and my teenage uh, years again. I yeah. know. <laughs> Either that or maybe you're like perimenopausal. I don't know. I'll take teenage years. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Katie, um, I'm, I'm actually really excited to hear what you have to say. Well, you should be, because I'm going to bring the mood back. <gasps> back. Oh, that was a diss to towards Jenna. positive. So... I really like this episode. I've been underwhelmed by the past couple episodes, as you know. (laughs) And I really liked this episode. I was very enthralled with the episode. I was on the edge of my seat. And I really liked it. And it went places that I was not expecting it to go at all. So I'm really, really excited to talk about it more. My, it went places she never even knew there were. <laughs> never even knew. It's <laughs> exciting. Okay, I agree with everybody, to be quite honest, even Jenna. There were two things that bugged me about the episode, but for the most part, because I really enjoyed everything else, it isn't going to affect my rating as much as it probably should. Because I felt like they handled everything else very well. You know, at this point last year, I was calling it a rush to the season finale because they were literally rushing to the finale. You know, they had to (laughs) wrap things up for the originals. We got a wedding. We got a musical. They had to fix everything with the Black Fairy and that kind of thing. So we were literally rushing to the end of season six. Now we're rushing to the end of the series, and it feels the exact same way uh, as it did last year, but I just, I genuinely liked the episode. You know, if this is a rush, they did it in the proper way, and uh, they did a lot of things that made sense. Uh, The two things that bug me, one I guess I will have to see play out in the next few episodes to see if I like it. The other thing was very disappointing. And uh, I feel like you all know exactly what I'm talking about if you know that Jenna and I, Mm -hmm. you know, are agreeing with that. (laughs) So we will be discussing that later on. So before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. 
To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So let's get into it. A quick shout-out to the opening title card sequence, which featured Regina's car in the forest. And so uh, we're going to start off with uh, things that are occurring in the past in Storybrooke. And uh, we start off with Regina. And, well, actually, you know what? Let me clear something up because the internet seems to have an issue with when this takes place. And I saw an ask on your Tumblr, Katie, and I, I don't know if you answered it or if it was your co- I did not answer okay. it. Because the co- your co-person didn't really answer it in a way that I found made sense. Subtle mm-hmm. shade. but um, Or maybe heavy shade. <laughs> But the timeline for this is post the season six finale, but not post as in like shortly thereafter. This is like a couple years later, because if I'm remembering correctly, Henry was like at least or at most 15 at he the said end he was 14. or 14. OK, I knew it was like 14 or 15. So uh, this has to, I mean, not has to, this is definitely at least three years later because he is getting ready to graduate from uh, high school. And so you're usually around 18 when that happens. So this is several years after the uh, season six finale. So we pick up in Storybrooke. We got Regina. She's... uh, measuring uh, Henry, you know, up against the wall, as a lot of proud parents do, and uh, he leaves for school, and Regina offers him her car. And uh, they're talking about colleges, because it's getting to that time, and he isn't sure about where he wants to go, he isn't sure what he wants to do. He definitely doesn't want to do uh, the Storybrooke College, which... Who the hell wouldn't want to go to Storybrooke College? I'm just right. saying. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Sign me up. Well, maybe not that big, but still. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I went it to- would be like a rural Hogwarts. 
<laughs> that <laughs> or like a private college yeah you know where there are maybe like 10 to 20 people in your class if, if yeah. that so yeah he doesn't want to go to Storybrooke College he's thinking about going elsewhere and initially Regina is a little sad but you know she's all gung-ho and ends up surprising Henry with a bunch of brochures for universities around the country and uh you know Henry is is really excited about that. And so later on, Regina discovers that Henry has been accepted to every single university he applied to. Can we first talk about really? <sighs> that is that's amazing, that's but hashtag jealous, I think, from all of so us. School. Right. I honestly thought Regina like pulled some magic thing out of her hat and was like not telling him that she made it happen. For a second. <laughs> I'm going to go with that theory. <laughs> I mean, I also feel like he's right. probably missed some very serious lessons at some point, you know, being like swift off to Neverland right? and Camelot. Yeah. This kid probably There's... had so many tardies and unexcused absences. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess graduating. His teacher was his grandma there for a while, though, so. That nepotism. is true. Nepotism. There you go. That is true. So continuing <laughs> on, you know, Henry expresses uh, doubts of like going off to college because he's like, you know, I had to lie in these, you know, uh, college admission uh, essays. You know, I couldn't tell the truth about Camelot, about Peter Pan, about this, that, or the other. So, you know, they didn't accept the real Henry Mills. And, and I don't know you know, if this is what I want to do, you know, maybe I should stay in Storybrooke, you know, so I don't have to lie and that kind of stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, really? Like, no offense to the world, but I'm sure there are plenty of people that lie <laughs> in their oh, college God. admissions essays. I'm like, really, Henry? But it's nice yeah, to seriously. know he has a very strong moral uh, compass. So that was nice. So... Time passes, and when we see Henry again, he is trying on his cap and gown. He gets a, a phone call, uh, where the phone rings, and he picks it up, and we'll be discussing the phone call later on. So, uh, if you want to talk about the phone call, my co-host, you still have to wait. But um, this phone call happens, and, and uh, the person that uh, is on the phone uh, tells him to don't forget there's a, a box behind the dresser. And uh, when Henry goes and, and looks, it, it is revealed that there's a magic bean inside that tiny... Jenna, say hi to tiny. Hi, tiny! There you go. Or Anton. Well, there you go. That uh, tiny, tiny Anton had given Henry, and we know that he ends up using it later on. And, and so after the graduation and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, Henry finally tells Regina that he's uh, going to, that he has made his choice, but he will let her know in the morning. And he also gives her his quote-unquote real college uh, admissions uh, essay which is basically you know a, a, a not a tale but you know what i'm saying it's it's his experiences with his family and that kind of thing i should also mention there was a teeny tiny teeny teeny tiny little scene with our girl granny with some grilled cheese and uh, doing some mechanic work throughout uh, this section that was uh, pretty damn 
awesome. So I'm going to open the floor to everyone. What are your thoughts on this section, seeing young Henry in Storybrooke, uh, getting ready to go out into the world? We'll be discussing the phone call later. But everything else in it, because this is basically like leading up to Henry's decision to leave Storybrooke, which we saw at the very start of the season. So, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily see the entire three years that are quote unquote missing, but we did see little bits and pieces in particular towards the end once Henry makes the decision to, you know, go and see the world, a whole new world and that kind of thing. So Katie, you're a Henry fan. You're a Henry Nista. What did you think of this? I really liked this. I know that it didn't add a lot of, you know, incredibly new... I mean, it was new material, but it didn't add a lot to the story. But it did give us some nice look-backs into Henry's life um, beyond beyond the original six seasons. Um, After the, you know, season six ended, it's, you know, kind of wonder... Where Where is everyone going to go from here? What's going to happen when Henry gets older? What's going to happen when he goes to college? What's going to happen with all this stuff? And so I like that we kind of got a glimpse into it. And the in-between stages of when season six ended and when Henry ultimately goes um, off on his new adventures. Um, I like that we got to see that. It was fun. And I always love a good Regina and Henry story. They are... They're just fantastic. And just to compare and parallel their relationship now in the show versus the the pilot episode even is just incredible to see the journey, to see the journey that they've gone on as a mother and son and to see their relationship being repaired and um, to see the love that's grown between them. And um, I love that so much about the show. Um it was it was such a fun flashback. I loved that we got to see, um, we got mentions of like Tiny. That's someone that we haven't thought about for a long time, and yet they bring it up in a way that makes sense with the story. Um, because when he was on the show, obviously in Storybook, he was he was working on um, the the jelly bean <laughs> the jelly bean um, farms where he was trying jelly to grow. Belly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, where he was trying to grow um, the beans that they could travel to different worlds. Um, I like how they brought that up because it makes sense for this character. Um, and it shows us what Henry uses that for later. Um, it was just a fun flashback. I know that we got some tension between Regina and Henry, but they did resolve it. And we see the normal emotions that go through a mother or parent when their child is ready to fly the coop and go to college. It's hard. She wants him to stay close by and go to um, the Storybrook College. Um, But he wants to go somewhere else and make a name for himself somewhere else and see more of the world. Um, And we see Regina's journey throughout that little story um, where she comes to an understanding of that and encourages her son. So I just thought it was a really fun flashback. Um, I love Jerry Gilmore. Um, and just to compare him now to the little kid that he was when the show first aired is 
is very nostalgic and it's um it's very fun to reminisce as the show closes um in a couple weeks so i'm glad that we got to see him again it was a fun episode it was a fun episode it was a fun flashback yes there you go all right it's funny because with the promo images that they released there's definitely at least one deleted scene. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what I was yeah. thinking too. I was waiting for that scene to come up. Yeah, because there were photos that were released and it looked like we were actually going to see Henry and Regina like looking at colleges and that kind of stuff. And yeah. there was this one little scene where Yeah. For those out there that have gone to university i don't know if we have younger listeners so you go on tours and that kind of stuff and usually Mm -hmm. it's people that uh are students at the school that work in you know the the like the admissions office or work study and that kind of stuff and uh, it looked like something like that was going on or maybe someone else that was on a tour ends up chatting with henry but i guess we didn't see that or i mean to be quite honest, that could have been just Henry at in high school, maybe, you know, talking to a friend about college or something like that. But we didn't mm-hmm. get that sequence at all. That was really no, interesting. No, we did not. It was interesting. Also, a little note I forgot to mention earlier. I loved, I loved that little scene where Granny? Henry's getting annoyed that um, Regina wants to, you know, mark his height on the wall. That's so cute. I love that she has been doing that since he was little. I like that little addition. Also, the granny scene was really fun. Yeah, shout out to get, granny. You know, she can do Granny's it all. Awesome. She can do yes, everything. Can. She can probably make grilled cheeses while fixing a car. I agree. <laughs> well, more than like sharpening her crossbow. <laughs> while making love to Geppetto. Oh. oh. Well, there you go. She's I ship it. <laughs> I ship it. You do too, right, Jenna? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's oh, well. age appropriate. It is. It's one of the few ships that actually does make age sense. So we can call them Wolf Puppet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's better than Grand Pedo. Oh, I like Grand Pedo. <laughs> Next on Investigation Discovery. Hush, Jenna Pace. I made up Grand Pedo, and I like it. Ooh, shade. Yes. Shade. Jenna, you just lost the game. <laughs> but Jenna, you can go next. Because even though you gave me shade, I can uh, heal you with love. Wait, who's up next? You! Oh, sorry! <laughs> I over the laughing. Okay, um, I really think Katie said a lot of what I wanted to say about the, um, about the, about that flashback, but there is something important that I want to touch upon, and that is Henry's college essay, because to me, this takes on a very deep meaning, deeper than I, maybe deeper than the episode was intending, but I think also, also kind of exactly what it was going for. Um, in the episode of talk, um, in the essay, Henry talks about how hard it is to leave the people that you love, that you've grown so attached to a place, and you don't, and you're kind of afraid of leaving it, but it's always going to be home to you, home as home as people. And throughout that speech, like, the second time that I watched it, or rather listened to it today in the background while I was at work, I kind of felt like that this was almost a, uh, this was almost a letter to the fandom itself. Once Upon a Time is kind of my 
It's my obsession. I love it. I have a whole <laughs> shelf of my room dedicated to Once Upon a Time stuff. I've gone to a convention. I'm going to a convention. I'm spending way too much money at that. Mm-hmm. And seeing it end, I'm going to be really sad. It's like I've never fallen in love for a fandom, fallen in love for a show like I have for Once Upon a Time. And I keep thinking, what comes next in the future? Is there going to be much of a fandom to return to? Is there going to be much of a show to return to? What happens after those final credits roll? Sure, it's going to be going on for some time, but what's next? Will I fall in love with another fandom again? And this letter, and this um, scene just felt very heartwarming. It kind of felt like it touched upon that, and I don't know if I'm necessarily alone in that respect, but it just left a real impression, and for me, it, it was the highlight of the episode. It was just so brilliant and beautiful. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just gave me it, it gave me a lot of feels. It connected with me because it addressed that concern I have. Where does that love for a fan, a fandom or a place or a person go after a big change is made after a series ends for me at least? And it kind of felt comforting, like that love is still very valid. You're and you'll find ways to move on, but you'll always have this to return to if you want to. And I think as the series ends, that's a very com- that's very comforting information to hear. Like, I'm not sure whether or not this was written before they knew the series was going to be canceled. Part of me thinks it might have been, and if so, I think that that was a really smart and empathetic move on the creator's behalf. I genuinely think at this point they knew it was being canceled. I think so too, but yeah. maybe, but they might not. They might have had like that written beforehand or something. But in any event. Or they might have had the idea that they wanted to show this with Henry before. Because I feel like, you know, they they do a a sort of outline of the season anyway. Of course. Yeah, that's what I imagined. But yeah, that's... I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are like, those are the cornerstones of my feelings. Um, I did love a lot of the stuff. I love seeing Regina and Henry. Um, Regina measuring Henry's height was just adorable. The The Tron lunchbox was cute, too, and a nice throwback to... I believe it was Wake Up Call in the flashback where Henry's, like, getting tools out of his lunchbox. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of nice to see more, to see these shades of this character, and especially just to see Jared Gilmore back in, back in the coat. And yeah. And see him in the role. It was nice. So, there you go. That's what I think. What about you two, uh, Heather and Vinny? What are your thoughts? Who wants to go first? Heather can go first. Oh, thank That's you, That's so Vinny. nice. Oh, welcome. Um, I loved this flashback so much. It's probably one of my favorites from the season. I really enjoyed, um, number one, seeing Jared Gilmore back in gave me all kind of feels, because I feel like he's like, you know, one of my kids that's all grown up and out in the world now. So it was really nice to see him back. Um, uh Pretty much everything that I was I wanted to talk about has been uh, covered by both Jenna and Katie very well. So uh, I, I did want to make one little point about um, the little the monologue at the end, uh, Henry's letter to his actual letter to colleges, and I loved the fact that he talked about the fa- uh, about home being where the people are, and 
the people that love you, and as long as they're there, you have a home to go. You have a home to go back to. It's not necessarily a physical place. It's the people that you love, and that's that's such a fantastic idea. And I think it really, really drives home a lot of what this show has been trying to say over the years. It's been a show that's been about family. It's been a show that's been about love and finding yourself and and being more than the sum of your parts. So I think that's such an interesting idea, especially in the um, uh, the context of, uh, I think it was Neil and Emma who always talked about home being that place that you just miss when you leave it. Um, uh, back in season three, I think it was. I feel like it was season three. Um, and I love the juxtaposition of those two ideas because it, it means that, yes, there is a home with people that you love. So Storybrooke will always be his home and you'll always miss it in, in, in a, some way or some form and he can always go back to it. But he can also be feel free to go and make a home somewhere else. He can go on all of these adventures and find these these new people and, and have just as much love and, I don't know, fun out in the real world and knowing that he still has that place to go back to. And that's such an, it's such a, a heartwarming message to send out, especially when you tied into the fact that Henry is an 18-year-old kid who's about to go off to college, and there are kids who have, def- I, you know, I know that uh, my little cousins have watched this movie, this, this TV show since uh, back in 2011 when it got started, and I think they were, uh, they were younger when it got started, and now they're like 16, 17, about to get off to college themselves, so it's nice to, to, to see that message being put out by a television show that kids watch and i really really enjoyed that part of it as well as seeing the interactions between uh henry and regina once again Vinny, everyone's already touched on so many good points so they already like made it really easy (laughs) but i think one of the biggest callbacks that i got is the moment that we see you know the front of the house and when they're walking out i just i was called back to the very first episode when emma brings henry home and Regina comes out, you know, in full Evil Queen mare mode, and she's super protective and, like, wrapping her arms around him and all paranoid. And, you know, this was Regina after all the years in Storybrooke, you know, and she was all invested in Henry. And now we flash forward to the current time period, you know, when she's been through so much and she's grown as a person and as a mother. And there is that element of letting go that others have already touched on, and I definitely felt it. It was one of the moments where I actually started to get a little bit weepy. Like, I didn't cry, but I could feel myself, like, getting a little bit, you know, wet up in the eyes because I started watching the show the very first season. And when I think back seven years ago where my life was, I was in a completely different state across the country, different job, you know. And so, in a way, watching this show over the past seven years, all of us have grown alongside Jared Gilmore. So to bring him back for this final series of episodes, you know, and to make him a part of it again, it just definitely was like tugging on the sentimental strings because when this show started, like Katie said, he was a munchkin. Like he was full on baby fat, cute little (laughs) adorable boy, you know, and over six seasons, we watched him grow into a young man. And now, you know, in addition to us having to say goodbye to the show, these these actors are saying goodbye to the characters. So you can feel the connectivity between those two having worked together so closely for so long and all of their scenes together. They just mesh so well. And I almost tend to forget that I'm watching a fictional show because of the way they interact being so genuine. So I thought it was really, really well done. I think it was an excellent way to start ramping us up for the final countdown of these last few episodes. And I, I really think it also just called back to you know everything that we've been through on this journey and 
still leaves me excited for the, the finishing of the journey ahead of us in the next couple episodes. I like it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I can add that hasn't already been said, besides the fact that uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to like this flashback. I was a little worried that this was going to be another scenario, much like the uh, the young Alice and, and... Nightfall? Nightfall, yeah, that one, as well as... Yeah like the Henry with the, the engagement ring and that kind of thing. You know, it, those two flashbacks really felt like a waste, like we could have seen something else. And uh, it was really nice. I liked it. I loved revisiting Storybrooke. We got little shout-outs here and there to some of our favorites. And uh, it was just really nice to see. I've I guess I didn't realize how much I've missed Jared Gilmore and Lana Parrilla acting together. It was really nice. I liked it a lot. And it fit perfectly into the timeline that we've seen, you know, as in, like, how Henry decided uh, to um, use the bean and that kind of thing. So it was really good. I liked it. So let's move into Hyperion Heights USA, and we pick up exactly where we left off there's a dark cloud uh, that is looming over hyperion heights and uh regina and lucy immediately immediately notice it and uh, they know exactly what's going down lucy fills regina in on how facilier ended up saving henry from the curse that he had or the poison that he had and uh, that true love's kiss did not work to uh decursify hyperion heights and so while they're talking gothel appears and basically offers regina a get out of death free card telling her you were once a member of the coven so i am extending my hand out to you and your family you all will be saved from uh, the rapture, basically, from the genocide. And uh, <laughs> everything it will be fine. You will be saved. And uh, so it'll just be all of you <laughs> until you all get extinct, I guess. And um, basically, she fills Regina in that uh, True Love's Kiss didn't work because Henry has lost all of his belief he is an adult now he isn't a kid so he's gonna think rationally and uh, his mind isn't programmed to believe Regina immediately turns her down and Gothel poofs away so uh, elsewhere Regina is trying to siphon some magic from the storm so that, you know, she can try to do something to prevent this from happening. And, and Weaver ends up arriving and, and making amends with her. And he even offers her a little bit of uh, potion that he created that he ended up using Nick's blood to do. And uh, basically, the potion is a memory potion. It should uh, allow Henry, if Regina uses it on Henry, to get all of his uh, memories back. And so uh, 
Regina ends up wondering why he's doing this and he's like you know I'm doing this because of Belle you know because you know I have been so hell-bent on uh, wanting to return to Belle you know I, I can't think like that anymore I have, to, I have to realize basically that I have family here and now and I have to uh, you know save the family that I have around me and so Regina ends up taking the potion to Henry's. You know, she ends up talking to Henry in his apartment, and while he's going to grab her a cup of coffee, she ends up pouring the potion into his cup. And when uh, he takes a sip, it doesn't work. And so she tries to get him to snap out of it by using her words and being like, hey, like, what's going on? This isn't you, Henry. What's going on? But that doesn't work. And so uh, let's pause right here. Let's discuss sort of like everything that's gone on so far. So uh, let's see. Vinny, what did you think yes. of the Gothel and Regina conversation? What did you think of Regina and Rumpel and then Regina with Henry? So these three Regina-centric scenes. You know what's interesting is I think this was the first time the entire season that Gothel ever spoke with Lucy directly. Which I thought was interesting, because I didn't even realize until that moment, but I think that's the first time these two characters have ever interacted. And I absolutely adored the fact that Lucy, even though she was scared, till, still like asked her question of Gothel. Uh, it was really, really creepy the way that Gothel just kind of hitchcocked out of nowhere and just appeared in front of them and was like, Hi, by the way, I'm killing everybody. Want to come work for me? Um, it, it, was, it was so Gothel. It, literally, like this character all season has just you know, been completely apathetic, completely aloof to everything, barely showing any emotion, and now everything is going her way. So, of course, it was right up her character's alley to show up and gloat and to try and see if she could convince Regina now that she's lost to come join her. So I liked that, and I love the fact that Regina didn't try the go-to route of, oh, I'm going to pretend to go along and screw over later. Regina stayed true to who her character has been this season and all seasons before and said, no, screw you, it's not too late. And there was almost a little bit of, like, Emma and the Charmings, like, sounding through in her actions because, you know, we all know Regina's always been able to, you know, fall victim to, just like Rumple to her old ways uh, to get what she wants or to win. And it was awesome to see her stand her ground and say, you know, it may seem like it's the end of the world, but I'm still going to find a way. Uh, the scene with Henry... I want to say that it broke my heart, but honestly, after last week, when the true love's kiss didn't break the curse, I just had a feeling that the potion or the serum was not going to work either, especially, you know, with Gothel basically saying he's not going to remember no matter what you do. It just seemed like that was, you know, if kissing his true love wasn't going to work, it, it, I felt like there was something else with the curse that was preventing that from happening. But it was still so sad because you could see in Regina's face when it didn't work and she just was so desperate. Like the desperation was so clear. You know, it's the 11th hour. Everything's about to go to shit. We need him back. And she's like done everything she can possibly think of. And when it didn't work, it, it was crushing. Like I felt her disappointment and you could almost feel the desolation. Uh, but she still didn't give up. And I think the scenes with her and Lucy were some of my favorite in the entire episode. Just because, you know, things are getting down to the wire here, and here these two are still doing everything they possibly can think of to wake him up and get, you know, the hero and the truest believer to help them take down Gothel. So overall, like, I really feel that these were some really strong scenes, and 
you know, I, it's almost like uncomfortable how how I felt like watching them with each try it not working. You know, and it's you get to a point where like awkward. When's he gonna like finally be like, you guys are crazy. I'm never talking to you again. But yeah, it was really really nice to see them working together. And the the storm was awkward. Not awkward. It was odd because I didn't really understand what Gotham was doing. And then I'm like, oh, she's going plantler again and going to commit genocide all over again. That was her plan this entire time. So I mm-hmm. will admit that kind of disappointed me. Because I'm like, you already did it once. You're just going to do it again. There, there's no other like hitch to your plan. Like, I thought she was going to try to resurrect her fallen people or like convert everyone to plant life. I don't know. Uh, so I was kind of a little disappointed, but at the same time, I still felt the urgency of the situation. And she was pretty much her stone cold bitch to the the very nth degree in these scene, in that one little scene, and I loved it. Yes. And she did, though, tell us in the previous episode that that is what she was going to do, though. That's true. So she's we on a more permanent basis. Yeah. She's consistent in her uh, diabolicalness and uh, death to is. humans. <laughs> yeah. So, continuing on, we see that uh, Regina ends up enlisting Lucy's help. They decide to go a different route. Because remember, in the past, you know, people have touched the Once Upon a Time book, and it's brought back all their memories. We saw that with Emma many seasons ago. And so they decide to go look for the book. And uh, they meet up at the uh, cemetery, and uh, Regina has the idea that uh, Belfry must have been buried with it. So she ends up digging it up, and she has uh, Lucy, I believe, call Henry to go to Ronnie's. And uh, when Henry arrives, he thought it was an emergency, and he's basically kind of through with it all. And and so uh, they're like, just please touch the book. He touches the book, and nothing. So nothing has worked. True Love's Kiss didn't work. The Memory Potion didn't work. The Once Upon a Time book didn't work. And Lucy runs away, sort of, you know, in tears. And Regina's like, you know, let's cut the bullshit. You know, here is the the paper. You know, here's the picture. This is you. This is me. This is the adoption forms. I am Regina. And he's like, no, this can't be true. This doesn't make any sense. Because let's pretend what you're saying is true. Where are the heroes? where's Emma? Where's Snow? Where's Charming? Why aren't they here to save us? And this is when Regina blows everybody's mind. And I hope that Katie understood this, because last week she was having problems (laughs) with plot twists. So... Maybe she understood half of it. It wasn't so much plot twists, she just didn't notice the fact that the entire human race was wiped out, you know. Well, there you go. Small things. Small things. Yes. Okay, I talked to my mom. She didn't realize it either, so I feel better. Well, hello. The apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. (laughs) Shout out to Katie's mom. Oh my gosh. So... That one on thick. Oh. So Regina drops a bombshell. She tells henry that people don't go searching for what isn't missing or something to the gist of that she's like 
when Gothel created the curse, it didn't just send everyone to the land without magic, it sent them into the past. So, technically, there is a Regina Mills currently in Storybrooke, as there is a Henry Mills. So they are missing from their loved ones, so they don't even know that they're there, which explains a conversation that was had earlier in the season in which Regina's like, you know, oh, you know, we can't call back home. You know why. And since no one else is going to say it because y'all are punks, I get some credit because I threw out a crazy theory last week and none of y'all agreed with me. <laughs> no one. I don't know what you're talking about. Not even Katie. <laughs> and Katie's down for a theory. Not even Jenna Pace. Oh, really? <laughs> Jenna Pace breaks Sorry. my heart. Oh. Well, I don't remember if you didn't agree, but I feel like no one agreed with me. Oh, I'll include please. you, Heather and Vinny. I mean, to be fair, it's a it's a pretty far out there theory. I know, and that probably didn't explain it in the right way. I just said, you know, maybe they're concurrently, and and I didn't think of them being in the past, but it, they're in the past. So, yeah. in my opinion, and this is totally just my interpretation, because I know everyone has their own kind of feeling about the timeline for me this fixes everything like i was perfectly fine with it i was like you know what that does end up making sense and i can go with it and i'm buying it and i'm cool with it i will ask everybody what they think in a moment because i just want to advance the storyline a little bit before we get there so all right so they're in the past storybrooke is uh, still in their present and uh henry is like no, like, I don't believe any of this. I just can't. You know, what I lived is real. And, uh, you know, I lost family and whatnot. And she's like, no, your family has been around you this whole time. This is you just blaming yourself for the curse happening and whatnot. She explains, you know, you went on adventures. You went on this, that, or the other. And, and we're now in the past. And he's basically like, ain't nobody got time for that. And he leaves. And so when he returns to his apartment and... uh you know, uh, Lucy Lucy ends up talking to him and saying that, uh, that she has given up on him and whatnot. Henry ends up going through the adoption papers. And he sees a phone number. And so he's like, you know what, let me call this number. And so he calls the number. And the person that picks up the phone is Henry on the night of his graduation. And so, upon hearing his younger self's voice, all of Henry's memories are triggered. They all come back to him. He even remembers having this phone call when he was younger, not knowing who that person was on the other line. You know, the person just said he's a friend of his mom. And uh, older Henry gives younger Henry some great advice on, you know not worrying about family, that family will always be there with you in your heart, and uh, family is basically everywhere you go. And that helps Henry in his decision to leave Storybrooke and have adventures of his own. And so when he goes back to Lucy, she realizes that Henry has remembered, and uh, they are excited, and, and so Henry goes off to stop the curse from happening so 
Let's pause right here, because we have a lot of stuff to break down. Let's talk about the twist that they are in the past, and Storybrooke is in the present. And uh, this conversation between older and younger Henry. And uh, since none of you believed me in my theory, it makes it very difficult for me to choose who to go next. But because she has been conspicuously quiet, and, and I take that as support for me in my time of need, I'm going to allow Heather to go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know how I feel about time travel. Um, I feel like they tried to do this back in season three, and I was um, I was still kind of against it then. But it does it does fix the the timeline issues in so many different ways. It it still there's still a couple of things that bother me, but this late into the season, I'm gonna let it go. Um, I'm going to embrace my inner Elsa and forget about it at this point and just let it play out because. I, I actually kind of liked it. I thought it would it makes it very interesting to the fact of what it is we're going to see. Plus, it means we get to see when we go back to Storybrooke, we get to hopefully see Emma with a child. Hopefully, so <sighs> I'm excited about that kind Little of Katie stuff. up. Um, is I'm excited. Hungry? Um, <laughs> but um, as far as the conversation between old Henry and young Henry goes, oh, um, you called him old. Oh well, he's older. <laughs> I I really enjoyed that. I loved how um, Andrew J. West and uh, Jared Gilmore were copying one another's mannerisms. And it was so, and I didn't notice that until like the second watch through when I was paying a bit more attention. But their facial expressions did similar things. They were holding the phone in the same way, and I was like, they put all of their they put it all into it so i really enjoyed both of the both of those um both of those in in connection to one another and i'm okay with the timeline and props to jeff for predicting that as crazy as it was oh thank you someone gave me props i like it (laughs) i got you let's see if the props continue with Vinny. (laughs) <laughs> I just this is just the eighties child of me, but when they picked up the phone, all I could think of was Stevie Wonders. I just called. Yeah, because I'm just like to needs say to I like, love you. Yeah, but instead it needs I just I just called to say I remember. <laughs> you know, like the whole, the whole montage, it was so I loved it. It was corny, but I you know what it was clever. They they broke his part of the curse. Because at first I thought the entire curse was broken in that moment and I expected to like see the vignettes of like everybody being like oh but it wasn't it was like a Henry centric curse pop and Andrew West's face the moment that he heard young Henry's voice just the the like literally like he just got supernaturally gut punched and you know I I love the way that they did it you know with like when Zelina woke up the gold same thing with Regina it's really really awesome you know, going all the way back to, like, Emma kissing him on the forehead and waking up. So, you know, I, I I think I didn't say that I didn't believe you. I think I said that I didn't want it to be time travel. But now that I see how they execute it, I am okay with it as well. And I think it does solve a lot of burning questions that I've had this entire season. You know, like, they dangled Emma in front of us earlier in the season. Okay, so why isn't why didn't she catch word that these people are missing? And oh, you know, they're back like 10, 15 years ago. Um, 
I, I'm curious to see how they're going to, you know, continue with being in the past going into these final episodes. But no, I think it was a clever twist and something that they, they may have tried before and didn't do as well, but I think they did it well this time because I watched clips and I could not find anything that told us by a, or gave a cue that they were in the past because it was such a recent past that it made it very hard to even contemplate that being a possibility. So kudos to them and kudos to you, Jeff. Thank you. Let's see more kudos coming my way from maybe <laughs> Jenna. Yep. I'm getting on the praise plane. Good job, Jeff. I'd read the theory online and I don't know why I didn't say anything when you, when you theorized it, but honestly, props, man props. Um, there de- it doesn't clear up all the timeline issues, but then again, I also think a lot of the timeline issues just don't really matter. So I think it was an interesting. I think it was definitely an interesting twist. Not quite the bombshell, but you know what? Cool. You know, what? cool all the same. I like. I like the twist. I think it. I think it works for the story. And I'm and considering like what we know about guest stars, I'm cu- I'm excited to see how that's gonna pop up in terms of in terms of um, appearances. Who's appearing and when they're appearing, more importantly. Um, uh, um, as far as the phone call goes, I actually did predict, a, um, not on here, but on my Tumblr, that who is this Henry Mills would be the first thing that older Henry said to younger Henry, because in the promo, they showed that Henry was that Henry was going to be on the phone and like the other Henry had a phone in his hand, so it was like... That didn't make it super surprising. But... Yeah, and they also did the, the camera shake yeah. in the promo, which we know what yeah. that means. Yeah. So it wasn't like the biggest twist that that was going to be what Henry gave up, uh, Henry, what woke Henry up. And also there was an article that basically revealed it as well that was published like, I think, hours before the episode aired. But for but you know what? Kind of thinking long term in terms of A, both people who are never going to see these promos and are just going to watch episodes straight through, or somebody who'd never seen any promos to begin with. It is a serviceable, it is a really good twist. It was really well written. It was really well written and all of and what and um older Henry's words to younger Henry's younger Henry really resonates. And so it's nice to see that and the conversations between Lucy and Henry, both the one before he gets on the phone with his younger self and after, are both heartbreaking and heartwarming. It's so nice, and it's so nice to see the reunion between Lucy and Henry, when he's like, no, not Henry, Dad. The smile that comes to her face. She's been dealing, she's been the, one of the sole believers for a season, and for the most part, she was alone until she found out that Regina was also... No, until she found out that Tremaine was awake. That was nine episodes in, and then her biggest... her The only other person who believed in the curse died, like, as soon as she woke up. So, it's... um, It's just really interesting. It was just really heartwarming to see that finally after the season of struggling and maybe it might have even been a little bit longer than when she first showed up on Henry's doorstep she's gone through such a struggle and we didn't get a we didn't get as much focus on her but it really makes the journey worth it just to see that reunion Katie this is so good for my self-esteem <laughs> now I feel like I should not Boast yourself. Well, that would mean anymore. that you're a hater. 
So do you want to be a hater? I don't want to be a hater. And you would also be losing the game. Oh, would you stop? <laughs> I feel like a teenager all over again. <laughs> Gosh. Um, okay. Well, I guess I will give you praise. And I will say that I have been on the show with you for a long time. And you've made a lot of bold predictions. A lot of them. And a lot of them have come true. We used to do this thing where, like, you would make bold predictions because they all of a sudden started coming true, and then we would hope that they would come true. And this one, I think, has to be the best one that you've ever done. Okay, oh, and it has come true because. And this is off the cuff. This is very touching. <laughs> You're welcome. This this one was this prediction of yours was so out there, and I really. I don't know. My mind could not wrap around it. But you were right. Good job. And it makes sense. I really like this plot twist. Because even though it still confuses me a little bit, I like it. Because it, it makes up for some of the questions that we've been thinking about. Like Benny was saying. Like, why hasn't Emma come to the rescue? Why haven't the Charmings come to the rescue? Why haven't all of these characters showed up that could possibly show up that would be willing to help? Um, so it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And I just like it. I think it was something very bold for them to do. The show has made a lot of bold moves in the course of its airing. And this this didn't hold back at all either. I think it was a good way to do it. It makes sense. It solves a lot of the, the uh, supposed um, plot holes. So... That works for them. And then I also really liked the phone call with Henry and young Henry. Um, I like how young Henry didn't know who it was. Um, it would have been too jarring if he did. Um, and I just like it. I like how he was talking to his younger self and giving him a little bit of advice. And um, it was fun. I mean, I think it would be very interesting. It's an interesting concept to think about because... You think about that, you know, some people will write letters to themselves, like, 10 years from now, read this, or something like this. This is like an actual scenario where someone, yourself, 10 years into the future, is talking to your younger self. And though he didn't reveal a lot of, a lot of information, I think it's just kind of an interesting concept to think about in your mind. Um, but I really liked it. I liked how that was what woke him up from from the curse. Um, it was really neat. And it wasn't what I thought was going to happen. I mean, we obviously, the promo, the promo gave away what was going to happen. But in my mind, I thought for sure that it wasn't going to be him calling himself. I thought it was going to be, I can't remember what I thought it was going to be, but it was not him calling himself. And um, I kind of like that they did that. It made a lot of sense. So um, that was fun. I liked it. Yeah. I'm not going to give myself praise, but I will say that I liked the entire sequence as well. Once Regina started spilling the beans, I was like, yes, it makes sense. And then the phone call was really, really nice. Great acting from both Andrew J. West and uh, Jared Gilmore. Both of them were fantastic uh, during that sequence. So let's continue on and let's rewind a little bit and let's talk about the coven. So uh, Rogers is tied up and he witnesses one of the coven of the eight 
being transformed into a little uh, sapling. And uh, it turns out that the desk sergeant explains that once their uh, magic is sort of absorbed into uh, the creation of the curse or the, uh, the activation of the curse, the uh, coven will be turned into uh, a tree to uh, signify or to create the rebirth of uh, the nymph's uh, garden, sanctuary type of thing. And so Rogers ends up escaping uh, by taking off his hand. It's fantastic. Knocks out uh, the desk sergeant, tries to uh, get Tilly out of this trance, but the curse of the poisoned heart affects him and zaps him back. And so uh, when he returns back to the police station, Rogers confronts Weaver on, like, what the hell is going on? And Weaver's like, magic is real. And Rogers is like, what? And uh, he's like, it's real. You know, there's no way to go about it, especially after what you witnessed and what you're telling me you witnessed. Magic is real. You have to get that into your head. We all came from another land, and uh, we're here. We're stuck. We're cursed, basically. And uh, he tells him that everything will make sense soon. And there's even a point when Rogers asks Weaver, so who was I? And, and Weaver's like, you don't need to know, Captain. This is amazing. And so the two of them end up recruiting Margot to help them. They they tell Margot that uh, Tilly's having a bad day and she's going to see some freaky things. Margot's like, I've seen crazy stuff, you know, in my travels. And so when they arrive back at the location where the coven is, Margot attempts to talk Tilly out of it, but uh, Tilly ends up using her magic to push her away. As some of the other witches start turning into trees, the trio, you know, try to make sort of a, a rush, uh, you know, to run towards Tilly so that she doesn't, but she ends up using her magic to shrink them down into a teeny, teeny, tiny size. And then once, well, let, let's pause right here. Yeah, because everything else uh, leads into a grander conversation. So, <laughs> Jenna, because you love you some Tilly, break yeah, this down for me. What did you think of Tilly in the trance and everybody, her father, let's say her mentor, and uh, her love interest trying to save her? Okay, well, before we do that, I just want to touch upon the um, well, Hook's daring escape as well as his conversation with Weaver and before they go. Um, I, I just love that escape scene. It was just cool. It was so sad. To, it was so sad to see the Curse of the Poison Heart activated again, especially because, you know, a lot of the season they've been standing close to each other. And even though the irony of them being close to each other and not knowing each other's identity hurts... It's even sadder now. It's even sadder that now that is actually like affecting them again, and they're so close to knowing who they are. Um, and it was, and I like that it wasn't that Rogers has believable skepticism yet also believable faith in Weaver as he's discussing down by the station what's going on with Tilly. I did find it a little weird that like. Uh, when Rogers entered the station, he was almost a little, 
he was almost a little too calm about the whole situation. Like, I figured he would have been more urgent, like, yo, we have to get out of here right now. Tilly's in danger. Come on. But he, like, sits down casually and has a conversation for, like, two minutes with Rogers. But anyways, um, I love that they go right to Margot. Even even with Rogers uncursed, he le- he knows, like, yeah, this is who we go to. Um, and it was really, um, I really liked how Tilly, um, how Margot attempted to appeal to Tilly's, um, you know, having a bad day thing. And it actually does work. Like, Tilly, it does get Tilly to turn her head, and I believe she sheds a tear. So it was really good to see that, how effective that is. And yes, stuff from the date about having bad days and such, and mental illness does actually come back into play. So, yeah, that was the meat and potatoes, Vinny. Haha. <laughs> yeah, was the meat and the potatoes. Where's the gravy? It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> It'll show up in a moment once we once we get into the big stuff. But yeah, um, it's sad that it doesn't work. Um, I like I like also that we got to hear Tilly's theme or Alice's theme as they're shrinking them and they're kind of having this Gulliver's Travels moment where they're all tiny. Well, it was very to... Wonderland. It is. It is very Wonderlandy. It's kind of a mix of both, but yeah, it was just, it, it was an, it's been, it was an interesting, really tragic moment between them. Like all their love was not enough because of, because of the strength of Gothel's spell over Tilly and also Tilly's, Tilly ironically enough endangering everybody she loves by trying to protect them because the only reason she was doing this spell in the first place was to save Rogers. And by the time he's able to, He's free, it's too late, and now she's not helping anybody. But yeah, it's just so sad. Aw, Jenna Pace. Sad sigh. I know. (laughs) But things change. Let's continue on with the story. So, it is nighttime. They're in that community garden that we've seen a few times before throughout the season... Gothel is there because there's a a well there that I guess will funnel uh, the fire and the brimstone that will kill us all. And so Regina is willing to do anything that it takes to stop Gothel. So she has her trusty baseball bat that uh, we've heard about throughout the season. And uh, she is ready to swing and take a whack at Gothel in the noggin. But unfortunately, Gothel has magic. She has this great line of like, you're going to attack me with dead wood. And, uh, which, um, I guess that's what she said, literally. And, uh, no one's going to laugh. Dirty joke. Fine. Vinny's laughing. Oh, I laughed. I was just muted. We're not okay. encouraging. Thank you. I fully encourage. Thank you. Katie's now on my <laughs> naughty list. Broke your ego enough for one day. Yes. <laughs> Katie's on the naughty list now. And so oh. she ends up magicking Regina away with a whoosh, and she ends up getting knocked out. And so Gothel is ready to destroy humanity, but uh, Henry ends up showing up, and uh, he grabs Regina, and he's like, Mom, I remember, I remember now, Mom! And uh, he ends up, you know, say, Come on, wake up, you know, we could stop her. And he ends up kissing her, and whoosh, the curse is broken, and everybody wakes up, 
everyone's memory, they're all restored, and magic returns to those that have magic. And uh, so uh, this ends up pausing everything that Gotha was uh, going to do. It, it completely stops this spell, and, and it wakes everyone up, as I stated. It wakes uh, Tilly up and, and everybody. So everyone ends up rushing to the community garden, and we get a lot of reunions. But we also have uh, Alice trying to get seduced by the dark side. Gothel's like, come over here, you know, let's use our magic, you know, we can we can fix the world, basically. And uh, Alice ends up choosing love over evil, and um, she ends up transforming Mother Gothel into a decrepit-looking tree, and uh, she ends up uh, placing the hyacinth flowers, which you know, we've seen throughout the season as well, around her. And so uh, the curse is officially over. We have a great reunion between Henry and Ella with Lucy. Uh, Regina's in the mix as well. Um, Alice reunites with Hook and Robin. We even got Naveen and Tiana. And we've got a bunch of random people also uh, in uh, the uh, community garden as well, which I guess we're assuming are other people from the other realm, you know, reuniting with everyone who is uh, now uh, no longer cursed. But, uh, yeah, and there's this awesome moment while all that's going on where um, Hook, you know, cursed of the poisoned heart or not be damned, whatever, ends up standing right next to his daughter, you know, as uh, someone encouraging her to do the right thing. So. Uh, but he ends, also ends up on a stretcher at the end of that scene. So the curse is not broken. Correct. So let's talk about this. Uh, Heather, break it down for me. What did you think of the curse breaking and Gothel's demise? Okay. Um, the scene where Henry is running to Regina and he's leaning over her and, you know, crying and telling her to come back to him broke my heart on so many levels. But then when the curse broke, you know, it was all okay. That was such a good scene. The, from, from the start of it to the end of it, it was so, so good. And it hit every single feel I have for this show. Um, so I absolutely adored the fact, I also adore the fact that um, it is a kiss between Henry and Regina that's Let's say a it's a kiss on the forehead. Kiss on the forehead. Vinny <laughs> was slightly disturbed uh, in our little chat, so I want to well, no, like, make it clear. Someone who doesn't know is going to be like, oh, he's kissing Regina? Mm. <laughs> it is, for those weird. that love a callback, it's a callback, um, callback. to... Uh, Emma and Henry in season one. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yes, it was so fantastic too. Um, I also enjoyed that it, it, it was between Henry and Regina as people who actually, or with, at least with Regina as someone who actually cast the curse, so cast the curse, and has some kind of um, connection to it, to where, in, at least for me to be settled with the whole magical canon of what the curse is. I am acceptable and okay with it being Regina and Henry who is who are able to break the curse. That whole scene was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I also want to talk a second for about um, 
Rose Reynolds playing Tilly. There is such an amazing difference between Tilly and Alice. And Rose Reynolds plays it so, or Rose Reynolds plays it so, so well. You can tell instantly the moment that she changes over from Tilly to Alice. And the strength that comes from being Alice, from being the person who, you know, when we first met her, she or not when we first met her, but from back in the tower when she wasn't very sure of herself. And to see her now that she has her little weird family union of uh, Hook and or Nook and Robin and Rumpelstiltskin and all of that, it's it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I was expecting a little bit more of a magical showdown between Gothel and everybody else, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, and that scene with Henry and Regina was perfect. So I can't complain about that too much. I thought it was fantastic, and I think they did a, a really solid job. Um, making it hit home uh, with this 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 little series uh, spinoff in a way for season seven and wrapping all of that up in this curse. I, I really really loved these scenes. Any other thoughts on Gothel's demise and the curse being broken? Uh, just because we're going to veer into a very different territory in in the next thing that is going to get broken down and i want to make sure uh, we sort of discuss this uh, fully you know if anyone else has little things to sort of uh, bring up about it i agree with heather uh, i mean i loved the breaking of the curse and i loved i mean this was the moment where i just told you guys in chat i actually started to tear up and cry when the curse broke because Aww. it was it's Aww. i know i have a heart who knew i know wow <laughs> the biggest but you stole Katie's. I did. I did. She was yeah. eating a child, and while she wasn't looking, I reached in and stole her heart. Uh, wow. Facts. <laughs> but no, I, the the whole thing with Gothel, like it, it uh, number one, the tree that she got turned into was. Let's just talk about how like that was a pudgy ratchet tree. So that was cool because she deserved that. But I don't know. I I kind of almost expected like when everyone grabbed hands, I thought it was going to be like the Care Bear stare or something. <laughs> I love the Care Bear stare. <laughs> I do too. But like when everyone was like grabbing their hands, it kind of made me feel for a moment like all the power was going to be drawn from all of them and channeled through Tilly. And it was like it kind of looked like the Ghostbusters shooting their ghost guns. <laughs> you know, like she had the white and Gothel had like the, I think it was orange light or whatever. And then Gothel was just no more. I, I kind of was hoping for a little bit of a bigger showdown, especially because she was such a huge villain. And I, I was expecting kind of more, but you know, if, if that's what had to be sacrificed for the great quality we had in this episode, I'm okay with it. I love it. It's the Care Bears countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> no one else remembers that? Thank I'd love you. me some Care Bears. So uh, on the Hyacinth, do you guys know what the Hyacinth actually symbolizes? Can you explain that? Because that is kind of, uh, what do you call it? Ella and Henry's flower. So mm -hmm. can you explain so it, please? The regular Hyacinth represents constancy, while blue Hyacinth expresses sincerity. Aww. Okay, that's mm -hmm. nice. Aww. I like it. So they're sincerely happy she's a tree? Yeah. <laughs> they're sincerely happy that it, it, the curse has been broken. It, well, it suits the character of Alice in this scene because I think it was Blue Hyacinth that she had grow from her mother's uh, sepulcher, I guess I'll call it. Her, her like, arbor of death. Um, you know, because she's incredibly sincere that she's not going to let herself fall to hate like Gothel did. And that sincerity has been, regardless of how crazy she was under the curse 
you know, one thing about Tilly slash Alice is she's always been the most, probably the most sincere character in this cast. You know, she's always been completely vulnerable and open and genuine with her feelings. And I thought that was a really nice, like, you know, goodbye to her mother. Because that was, that's who she is. You know, even though this woman was a raging mega bitch, you know, she still felt sorry for Gothel at the, at the very end and made a promise. And I thought that was a really nice touch. I like it. Any other thoughts on the demise of Gothel? Honestly, Vinny said everything that I wanted to mm-hmm. say. I will. It definitely was anticlimactic, but Alice defeating her in the way that she did, and especially kind of Hook having a hand in it too, was just it just worked. Mm-hmm. I loved that end scene. Um, I was going to comment on this now rather than when I was talking about um, Henry earlier. But I loved how they um, connected the two, the flashback and this part of the show, the current events, um, with Henry's Henry's essay. Um, you said everything I wanted to say about the essay, Jenna. But um, I love how they connected it with everything that was going on by showing us vignettes of everything that was going on in um, modern day, I guess you can say, Um it's just it, it's something that they've done in the past with the show, um, when someone's giving a speech or talking to someone else, and then they show all the other characters going through different things. Um, it just it was really poignant, and I really liked it a lot. Look at Katie using her SAT words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's one more thing I wanted to say. The um, setting of the garden. The garden started out as this beacon of hope, and then kind of when Gothel ended this, entered, like, and started becoming, you know, was Eloise Gardner, and had all these things going on with flowers, the garden almost became forgotten and became this instead, and especially with Gothel's backstory, it kind of almost became a symbol of death and destruction for humans. And in this episode, they reclaim it. Alice and Hook and everybody, they take it back together. And now all the community is together, bonding over this curse-breaking. I like it. Thank you. Jenna Pace broke it down. I like it. Yeah. I agree with what everyone has said. I don't necessarily agree that it was anticlimactic. I felt like it was appropriate because we're rushing. So I was perfectly fine with it. And... uh, yeah, I love the parallel between uh, what we've seen in the past with like the curse breaking, the whole uh, mother and child. I, I like it. So, uh, yeah. So let's move into at least a part of the story in which I know Jenna and I will have a lot of things to say. Maybe the others will, too. You never know. So we got to rewind. So this is pre the curse breaking. So Lucy, Jacinda, and Henry were planning on taking a trip to the Bainbridge Island with Henry. And this is like a callback to earlier in the season when uh, Jacinda wanted to escape to the island with Lucy. And so they're packing up. Sabine comes over. 
with a backpack that Drew had used, and she ends up telling uh, Lucy and Jacinda that she's worried about Drew. She has no idea where he is. He's been gone for a couple days. And when Lucy sort of opens up the backpack, she sees a tarot card. And she's like, you know, this is from Mr. Samdi, so you should ask him. And so the ladies decide to visit Samdi's office. So before they arrive, we see Facilier doing something with voodoo dolls. I had to pause it to count. He's got like four voodoo dolls on the table. And when the ladies burst in, he covers up the voodoo dolls. And uh, the ladies ask him about uh, Drew. Where's Drew? Where's Drew? And Facilier easily is like, you know, check that room over there. And they see that Drew is uh, tied up and gagged in uh, this uh, storage closet. And so uh, when the women turn around to question him, we see Facilier sticking a pin in a doll that causes Sabine pain in her leg, in which we've seen in a flashback, sort of paralleling that, and the women comply and end up joining Drew in the closet. So once the curse breaks, obviously everybody wakes up, and Ella and Tiana burst out of the closet, not in that kind of way, <laughs> but um, they... they... <laughs> Playing Melissa Etheridge and wearing Birkenstocks. Yes, they're going to Lilith Fair, people. <laughs> now, uh, they end up, you know, are ready to attack, and uh, they're basically like, you know, we know what you're doing, Facilier. Well, actually, I will say, before all that, uh, we have this interesting moment in which Facilier looks outside his window and he basically is like, you know, bye Gothel. And so then the women burst through the closet, <laughs> not in that way, and they're ready to attack Facilier and he ends up magicking himself away. And so we see Tiana and Naveen reunited and this is when Ella goes to the garden to reunite with Henry. And so, with uh, Rumpel's powers restored, he rushes to the evidence locker to find his dagger, but it's not in the safe. And so, he immediately assumes that his nemesis, Dr. Facilier, has it. So, he rushes to his office, he starts looking around, he ends up finding his travel book album... You know, the album that he gave Belle earlier in the season in a flashback, you know, so that they can document their adventures and travels together. He finds that there, but he doesn't find his dagger. Facilier ends up walking in, and uh, Rumpel ends up using his uh, magic to do sort of like the force, use the force to choke um, Facilier. But then he stops, and he's like, no, 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 you know... This, this isn't going to reunite me from Belle and, and, and that kind of thing. And so Facilier ends up laughing. And he's like, you know, I knew it. You're a shadow of your former self. Uh, you know, you're trying to get back to your Belle. But this, you know, it, that you're trying to get back. But, um, but this is the worst version of you that there is. And as he's saying that... Facilier gets stabbed in the back, and uh, Rumpel is shocked. And when his body falls forward, we see that the person 
who has Rumple's dagger is the Wish Realm Rumple Stiltskin. Brum, brum, brum. And so, Wish Realm Rumple has uh, escaped the Wish Realm, and he is now in the land without magic. And uh, he basically tells Rumple, you know, that he is the worst version of himself. And uh, he introduces himself. He's like, you know, do you think a wish what realm can hold me back? And he's like, I think you and I should get better acquainted. All right. So there are two things that need to be discussed. Dr. Facilier and wish realm Rumpelstiltskin. So uh, I'll start off because I have a lot of feelings about the whole Facilier thing. So, we don't see Facilia until about halfway through the episode. And he's doing all this shady stuff. Like, we've seen Facilia in the past doing shady stuff, but for the most part, they've kind of been written away as uh, him more so doing good than bad. So I was very curious as to what he was doing with the voodoo dolls. And, and then once the curse broke, we didn't get any conversation about the dolls at all and then all of a sudden Rumpel was looking for his dagger and I knew it was going to be a misdirect I felt like Facilier wasn't going to have it and so then when we saw what ended up happening I genuinely was surprised this was something that I completely didn't expect and one of the reasons why I just didn't expect it is because if this is it, which it is, it, I feel like the series completely wasted Dr. Facilier, and I find that very disappointing. Katie has been with me since the beginning. Like, she has been co-hosting here since day one, and she knows, out of everyone, that Dr. Facilier was on top of my list. Like, whenever we had any type of discussion, in particular towards the end of a season or towards the end of an arc, you know, if it was one of those seasons where they had uh, two distinct storylines, I always said Dr. Facilier. Well, I would always say Dr. Facilier and Princess and the Frog characters, so like Tiana and Naveen, even Mama Odie and that kind of stuff. But Dr. Facilier was a villain that I really wanted to see represented on Once Upon a Time. And so when it was announced that he was going to be on, and in particular when they announced that he was going to be on, and then afterwards during the hiatus, when they announced that Regina was going to be getting a love interest, like all eyes sort of pointed towards Dr. Facilier. I actually went back and looked at the article that came out on TV line sort of discussing Regina's love interest and Adam and Eddie basically said something to the gist of like oh she's going to get this great love you know we completely respect you know Daniel and uh, Robin's legacy but she's going to get a different kind of love that we're really excited to uh, showcase for the viewers and, and that kind of thing so they really were building it up as this was going to be Regina's love interest for the rest of the season. And, and at least the way that they were saying, you know, whenever the series would end, that it sounded like this was going to be Regina's love. So I was really excited to see how they were going to redeem 
Facilier, because the first time that we saw him, he was doing nefarious things to Tiana and her family and Naveen. So it, it was going to take a lot to sort of redeem him. And then they started to do that. They started to show him doing all this good stuff for Regina in particular. And even when he was doing sort of nefarious stuff, it, it was stuff that you could sort of write off. You know, yeah, he killed Nick, but Nick was killing people. And yeah, he woke Nick up to kill people, but they were witches who, you know, ended up enacting the curse and that kind of thing. So it it was more for the greater good than for selfish reasons. And then they ended up including him in the quest for the dagger. And, uh, you know, what was the reason why he wanted the dagger and whatnot? Was it going to be for nefarious reasons? Was it not? And unfortunately, we will never know. They used Facilier almost as a means to advance a lot of the plot. He cured Henry from the curse that the witches put on him. And other than that, he didn't really, at the end of the day, add that much to it. Because we were left with a lot of dangling threads once that Dark One dagger hit him in the back. We have no idea how he and Regina met why they fell in love, and why they broke up. We still really don't have a clear clue as to when it happened. Based on that one line that Regina gave, that, oh, you know, I'm not the same girl that you knew, basically, it makes it sound as if it was when she was the evil queen. And how did that happen? We still don't really know what his vendetta against Tiana is and why he was sort of out to get her like the whole drew situation makes sense you know he you always have the price to pay with magic and i guess you know he was using drew to do things for him uh, to pay the price for him to be uh restored to come back to life when he was prince naveen but there's so much left that that isn't really explained. Why did he want the Dark One dagger? Why was he so adamant about getting the dagger? And uh, unfortunately, because we are rushing towards this series finale, I felt like this is, you know, just sort of a casualty of the rush. And uh, for someone that has been looking forward to seeing Dr. Facilier, it was just such a shame for me. I was really disappointed that uh, he was stabbed in the back and uh, that this is the end of uh, Facilier. I Jenna. Actually kind of felt right. Oh, Vinny, okay. go ahead. No, because no, we've I sort was... of been on the opposite sides of things. We have. You know, it, uh, we really have because I didn't, I wasn't a fan of Facilier and Regina. And, you know, at the same time, though, I am a completionist. I want to know the why, what, one, you know, when and how, et cetera. And we're never going to find that out. And this is probably one of the most obvious moments that I, I felt in this episode as we head to the end where it's like, oh, they found out they're getting canceled, so they're changing. Because Facilier, if this wasn't the series ending, it was starting to feel like the seeds were being planted for his to be started to be revealed in the finale and then going into next season. That's what I, I kind of felt. And I, I thought, okay, well, they're still going to wrap it up. But they didn't. And as happy as I am, because I, I love Juicy Rumple, I, Woo! yeah, <laughs> you know. Thank you, Jenna. This just felt cheap. Like, I, I hate not knowing things. And I feel like they could have at least given us, like, someone telling 
a quick blurb about what happened and just to have him he was obviously up to something and now we're not going to know unless because i looked and i don't see him showing up in the last two episodes well yeah i have information on that which i I will i will actually say it right now um but I agree with you 100%. I wish that they would have allowed him to villain monologue, at least for a yeah. line. Like, yeah. this is why I wanted your dagger, and blah, blah, blah. So that at least we would have gotten that answer. But, yeah. um, okay. So, on Saturday, I actually sent Daniel Francis a message on Instagram. This, this, was before, this was before he did a public confirmation on Sunday. So he gave me the scoop first, technically. Oh my goodness! I know he actually responded, Ooh. which I was surprised. Um, yeah, so I basically cool. sent him a message that said, you know, just giving you a shout out, props on your performance as Facilia. I was like, I don't know if last night was the last time that we will be seeing you on the series, but if it is, bravo! You gave uh, such a nuanced performance as the Shadow Man. And so his response later that day was, that was indeed the last episode for Facilier. Glad you enjoyed the performance. And then Sunday, he ended up posting a video and like a whole little uh, little thing on Instagram basically saying that that was his last appearance, which is just so disappointing. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. I do think he was a casualty of the rush. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I will feel... Uh, a little bit better about this is something that Jenna said in a Tumblr post that she did. I'm co-signing with you on it. Um, I feel like Regina needs to find out and she needs to have a moment. It doesn't have to be too long, but like she needs to know that Facilier died. And uh, I hope that Naveen and Tiana end up getting some sort of line of dialogue in which they maybe explain, you know, why potentially Facili had some sort of vendetta against them. Because I feel like they should know, I, I would think. Yeah. I hope that we something like that happens. We also didn't get happens. a showdown. Yeah, you mean between Rumpel and uh, Facilier? No, Facilier and Gothel. Oh, Facilier like and Gothel. It's funny, I guess they, they didn't have anything really no. in relation but it kept seeming like there was something there, like there was a history that we were going to... I really do feel like this was a victim of the rush because there were there was a lot of nuances and a lot of things that I feel like were being built up. Um, yeah, and I'm really curious because it seemed like there was a history between the two of those because he made the specific comment, you know... No, that's oh, true about the witches. Like, you should have killed Gothel first. That's why I woke you up, yeah. Yeah, and then in this episode, he said, like, oh, goodbye, Gothel. Or he made a comment like after she was dead and he was looking over that it was like now it's my time. See, I personally don't think so. I think it was just kinda like Facilier just saw Gothel, evil person who wants to commit the apocalypse, gotta stop her no matter what the cost. Yeah. And, and that's something that could it could have been that too. Do my dark shit. Well hopefully we'll find out something because we really don't know. I, I still don't know if I was right or if you guys were right. I don't know either. Uh well just because I like being right, I'm gonna say I was right. But because um, I was right earlier, so you know, I already got a win. No, I'm just teasing. But Jenna, <laughs> what yeah. did you think? I know that you wrote a whole blog post about it, and, and it was yep. fantastic. It's on Tumblr. But uh, okay. sort of outside of that, now that you've, now that you've had more time to sort of think about it, what did you think 
uh, and how do you feel Facilier was treated on the show, the interpretation of Facilier? Okay, um, I'm gonna, well, I feel a lot of the same as I did in my post, so I'm gonna reference it a little bit here. Um, I find that this season has had strengths and flaws alike, but one of the biggest flaws had to be the overwhelming amount of villains. Counting, um, Wish Rumple's revelation as the final villain, we had six villains this season. We had Gothel, Tremaine, Ivy, Nick, Facilier, and Wish Rumple. Now, th- this has happened in the past season, season four-headed, but a lot of what helped them in the past was that they were often working on teams like the Queens of Darkness, or they were already established characters. However, in this season, nearly every villain, and it could be all depending on your interpretation of Wish Rumple, which is kind of up in the air for me, I kind of can see it both ways, everybody was new, and they needed to be featured and developed in a number of episodes. I said before that I was really against Nick being the serial killer because it's like we already had enough villains. And honestly, this episode just, this instance just reinforced that. Like, when you think of what the Nick subplot contributed to the plot compared to time, that time that could have been spent developing other characters or the plot developments that he had could have been given to other characters in other unique ways, it's just really frustrating and we needed. And we needed, um, and we needed that time. <sighs> Daniel Francis, and it sucks because Daniel Francis really nailed all of his scenes. Facilier, Samdi, he's charismatic, he's charming, he's intelligent, and he's surprisingly not with a little bit of compassion. As um, as Vinny said, he's very nuanced, and his performance was really something to see. He had chemistry with Tiana, Lucy, Rumple, and of course Regina. Um, I really loved Shadow Queen because I think that, um, Facilier really challenges Regina. He's the first one to say, like, you can have it all. He believes in her and acknowledges that she, that he doesn't have, he doesn't have the answers to her problems and she has to figure it out for herself. He really treats Regina like a person. He's very honest and kind to her. It doesn't change the bad things that he did, but what's interesting about the bad things that he did is, compared to a lot of the other redeemed villains on the show, his sins were bad, but nothing that couldn't be surmounted. Even with the shortened time span of the half-season that he had to work with, I believed in him, and you believed in him too, Jeff. That's what kind of made him so compelling. So, um... You know what, I I had a feeling that his and Regina's love story was going to be doomed, but, and maybe we were a little delusional for thinking it, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, I think it was doomed because it was cancelled. I do yeah. think, sort of what Vinny stated, had this show had been renewed for another season, I think we would have seen much more development between... Yeah. Facilier and Regina. If there's anything that I'm now really disappointed in the Shadow Queen storyline is the fact that we did not get an origin story, a me cute type yeah. of uh, flashback. Because I, I feel like that would have explained a lot. And also, I don't like that Regina sort of alluded to the fact that she was the evil queen when they fell in love. Because I, I think yeah. that... It messes with the timeline a lot. Sometimes series, once they pass season five, they try to sort of insert storylines into the past, you know, 
where yeah, this... they feel like it makes sense and, and that kind of thing. It sort of like lost chapters that we didn't know about. And based on everything that we've known about Regina, it's kind of hard to believe that she was sort of romantical with someone, you know, either between Robin, before Robin, that kind of thing. So I wish that they would have uh, maybe shown, or not shown, but I wish that she would have said something like, you know, we met uh, when I crossed over into this realm. Because if you think about it, there are, what, like eight years? I believe that's how old Lucy is, maybe? But there were like at least eight years in which they were in uh, what we call the magical forest enchanted forest 2.0 mm-hmm. and she could have met him early on into her uh, journey there and and maybe you know he broke her heart she broke his heart whatever i don't like that they made it seem like it was when she was the evil queen we still do have that time when uh, remember when they were all sent back to the enchanted forest i believe it was after missing a curse year? was broken yeah. yeah that we had that missing yeah. year but because of, like, Robin Hood, it, it just doesn't fit in. Because that would have been a time in which Regina was still sort of playing with the Evil Queen versus it being a redeemed hero. So that might have been a good point to sort of put it. But I, I don't know if it would have fit in there either. What were you going to say, Jenna? See, I actually did have a theory about her being, of them meeting while the Evil Queen. And not falling in love, but having a steamy romance. Because what we see in the show, it's not necessarily love it's romance and those and this is sort of a different thing you lost but i think a little bit more see my maybe own, it was my just some good sex my <laughs> interpretation is that they met while she was evil queen and they kind of just had like a one night stand maybe a little bit longer than a one night stand and then facilia just had to go back to doing his business it was just like Oh, like, oh, one night saying you leave on good terms. You had, like, something steamy going on. Maybe something more could have happened. But their priorities were more focused on other things. And they don't resent each other for that. So when he came back with the necklace, it's like, yeah, we actually, we, like, have the time and the priorities and stuff. We can, like, at the very least, like, have a little kiss or something. And then in Hyperion Heights, they can actually be together for a bit. So that, at least, I felt like. I felt like that could work, where it's not like a romance, he's not replacing Daniel in her heart by any means, but he's a really hot stranger who has, who's really good at sex, and they're gonna have, like... Oh my gosh. Oh, come on! (laughs) No, but you shushed me when I said they had some good sex, and now you're saying he's a really hot stranger, and he's good at sex. Yeah, he is! Well, damn. I don't know. We all know what, uh... He can please her from far away with the voodoo doll. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, he could! We all know what Jenna does late at night with her fanfic. I'm just saying. <laughs> Cover your ears, I, Katie. I feel like I'm not old enough for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you and me, Heather. Oh, please. You're a married lady. <laughs> That's true. So, to end things off, my wish is in part one of the finale that Regina gets to acknowledge his absence with a brief explanation from Rumpel. Um, realistic, I, realistically, I think that's the best we can hope for, um, from what I understand that, from what Jeff has confirmed, this is his last appearance, and that's really too bad. His death was really frustrating. It could have been better, but there needed to be things that needed, were tweaked. He should have had at least a few more scenes with Regina to wrap him up. 
there should have been a little bit more of a clarity as to his motivations, as to what he wanted, as to if redemption was possible for him. I, yeah, it felt weird that just, like, he dies then and there. He's just, he really, they really did treat him like a plot device where he really was anything but. It was, it's not like Nick where it's like, he doesn't really have relations to these characters because he never bothered to spend time with him. Basilier spent a lot of meaningful time with every character they interacted with, whether or not, whether it was like a one episode thing, like his interactions with Lucy. Every second of that is meaningful. It shows chemistry between these characters and friendship, annoyance, all of these different emotions. So it feels like Facilia got the short end of the stick in just the worst possible way. And it's so sad that this is where his story has to end. I'm still going to love Shadow Queen. Hopefully one day I'll actually get to write that origin story. And it'll probably be like my second favorite Regina ship. But yeah, for now I'm just a little angry, a lot sad. But nothing you can't move forward from, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I was just going to say that I feel like if this, if they had brought Facilier in, in another season, in earlier season, he would have stayed. I think it was just simply because this is the last season and mm-hmm. it got rushed and they realized, oh, we're literally ending the show. We have to do something else. Yeah. And we haven't developed their relationship mm-hmm. as much as we would have wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, it's a shame. It really does feel like such a such a waste of a character because uh I don't like whether you like the character or not. I don't like that his actions are being left to interpretation. Like the writer should have uh, clearly written it so that at least we understood his motivation, so whether you liked his motivation or not, that would have been it, as opposed to... Because Vinny has his own interpretation, I have my own interpretation, Jenna's got her own interpretation. I feel like we all have our own interpretation on what Facilier was up to. And so that's kind of a shame that they did that to the character. But, talking about interpretations... Let's break this down, because we haven't talked about him, and I feel like we need to. And uh, we do got... A Dark One Whisperer. Someone who has a Dark One PhD. She has studied uh, the Book of the Dark One and all that kind of stuff. Heather Wish Realm Rumple. Wumple is here. What the yeah. hell's going on? Oh, oh but actually, I do want to say one more thing about Facilier before we go. Before I got confirmation from Daniel Francis and before he confirmed it to the world... In my mind, I was like, he can't be dead. If anyone could survive being stabbed by the Dark One Dagger, I was like, it's got to be Dr. Facilier. But obviously, we got confirmation that he's not going to come back. So, there you go. But Wish Rumple Stilt, Wish Realm Rumple Stiltskin. Heather, were you surprised? I was like, I was not expecting that at all. That's one of the twists that really, really got me. Um,. Without going into a Wish Realm rant, I will not because I've accepted <laughs> Hook. I've accepted Nook, so I will accept Wish Realm Rumple. 
when it first when I first saw it the first time, I was shocked and I was actually a little bit angry because I like I, with you guys, I kind of feel like they had a lot more to do with Vasilier, and I feel like Vasilier would have been a really interesting villain for them to fight at the very end, even if he was kind of a nuanced villain, you know, uh, not necessarily completely evil, but there's still an agenda that he has. But as far as Wish Realm Rumple goes, I the more that I think about it, the more interested in it I am. Um, and I will put all of my Wish Realm thoughts aside, and I will, I will, I'll make it through it. But I think it's, it's going to be an interesting character to explore just simply in the two episodes that we have, just simply because it's a character that has very, very little of a moral compass, uh, considering the fact that um, we know Bellfire was dead in the Wish Realm. We know that Bell was dead in the Wish Realm. We know that this is somebody who has had a whole lot of desperation uh, considering the fact that the curse was the curse was never cast he spent um a, allegedly somewhere around the realm of 28 years in that little cellar so a lot more crazy he's extra juicy Woo. super extra juicy Woo. oh thank you Woo. katie party pooper i <laughs> i no i want you to woo Oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> this is how she power. misses genocide. <laughs> Katie, go woo. Woo! Thank you, Katie. Continue, Heather. Um, really that's all that's all I have to say. I'm very interested to see the um the comparison between our Rumpelstiltskin and this Rumpelstiltskin. And to see what kind of craziness he uh, employs in in the in the series finale, I think it's it could end up being a smart decision because it'll really force number one Rumpelstiltskin to face his past and everything. But I think it could also force um, our other villains, especially Nook slash Hook, both of them, I guess, if we're going back to Storybrooke, um, to face certain aspects of, of their redemption and everything. I think it'll be interesting for Regina as well. So, and Zelina. So I, I think it could be, it could possibly be smart, uh, writing decision. But when I first saw it, I, I was, I, it ruined the episode a little bit for me. Oh. But, wow. Yeah, I well, wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw him, I was like, really? Like, mm-hmm. really? And the funny I thing is, it. do you remember last week, I mentioned this? That I read it somewhere that people were theorizing it was going to happen, and we were all kind of like, yeah, they won't do that. <laughs> we were all, like, hoping. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, the, 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 the once fanboy in me, I have to admit, like, after Facilier died, there was that middle, immediate, like, wait, what the shit? But then when I heard the, <laughs> you know, like, I was like, oh, it's Juicy Rumple, I'm Woo! happy. Woo! You know, <laughs> like. When he, I'm really curious to see where it goes. I, I really, really am because. Cr- shout out to Bobby Carlisle, or no? I'm sorry, only Heather. Can no, Heather. Bobby. Yeah, yes. they have a relationship. Yes. We have a relationship. Uh, yes, not but romantic because he's notice, married. Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> did you notice how throughout that entire scene he just kept shrinking into himself until he was like in the pose of coward Rumple? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was I fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm kind of excited to see what happens. I really am. And I'll save talking more about that for my bold predictions. Ooh, I'm oh. excited. I will say that even though I'm not that excited for it, 
it is kind of mirroring, you know, we love a parallel on Once Upon a Time. It is mirroring the Evil Queen versus Regina. So this I'm going to assume, because this is the last time, you know, he's going to get his redemption by whatever he does, which I will save stuff for bold predictions as well. Listeners, stay tuned, because we will be releasing a separate podcast that will feature bold predictions on the finale. And the reason why we're doing it now is because, uh, for the most part, entertainment news sites, and I believe also Adam and Eddie are kind of treating these final two episodes like a two-hour adventure, like we've seen in the past. I do believe... If this show had still been airing on Sunday nights, they probably would have aired both parts over the course of two hours versus splitting it up, you know, one episode one week and then the ep- the second episode the next week. Just because it looks like it's one of those two-hour adventures like we've seen in previous uh, season finales. Uh, Jenna, it sounded like you wanted to say something. Yes, I do. I'm actually very excited for Wish Rumble because it, you have to think about it. It's the final villain of the fucking show. It's the Exactly. And you need somebody (laughs) big to come in as the final villain. I love Dr. Facilier. I'm so, uh, as I said before, I'm pissed that he was killed. He's not final villain material. I didn't think he was going to be the final villain. I genuinely thought that the final two hours were going to be them reuniting in Storybrooke. Like, I didn't think we were going to get a villain at the end. I thought a vignette episode or something. We were getting a villain, and it had to be an awesome villain. So here's the thing. Rumpel has always been... Well, Rumpel's like the most powerful character in the entire series. I mean, he's the dark one. The only thing that can kill him is a blade that he has. He's he's an immortal. He can teleport. He has all sorts of crazy, fucked-up magic and other magical artifacts to help him, with his, help him make his magic even more magic. He's got four I voodoo dolls now. And yep, and you know what? He's gonna be fake and he has a rump and he would he's going up against a rumple who's kind of trying to get his find his way back to Belle. I think that this is such a cool idea. I don't particularly like how we got Wish Rumple, but at the same time, I love Wish Rumple as the final villain because we finally get to see the heroes all working together, going up against this mega villain. Because with Rumple, you were the the heroes were never able to take him down because either he was too weak and considered not a threat, so they didn't go after him, or he was married to Belle, so they decided not to go for him because he wasn't a threat, or he was just too powerful. And that, and you know. Just for one reason or another, we were never able to see everybody just straight up trying to go after and defeat Rumpel. Now that's finally gonna fucking happen. We're gonna see everybody, including a including a more neutralized yet somehow more yet also more powerful because of the whole Dark One arc, Rumpel going up against this soulless, irredeemable monster who's well was redeemable at one point, but love has been stripped from him. He doesn't has he doesn't have Balefire. He doesn't have Bell. He has, as Heather said, no moral compass. This is going to be a crazy villain who's completely given into the darkness. This is kind of this is the only way I feel that they could have stepped up to the Black Fairy's legacy. This is them taking that next logical step and going up against a completely remorseless Rumple. And it's genius, and I can't wait to see exactly what comes of it. It's a little weird, but I'm ready. 
Well, I'm glad you're excited because I'm not as excited as you. I just oh, I, thought that. I, I think helped. No. Um I think I would have been a little bit more excited had we actually gotten a little bit more wish rumple whenever we would visit the wish realm. We didn't get as much and the little scene with him and Nook wasn't enough for me cuz that's all we saw of him in this season. So yeah. But who knows? Maybe it's really, really good. Like, I am going into this finale with an open mind, open eyes, and an open heart. Alright, let's get into the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why, and if someone has already mentioned the character that you're going to choose, you must select a different one. I feel like there are a plethora of characters that could be selected for MVP, a lot of really great moments. So, uh, who's gonna go first? Uh, let's see. Let's go with Vinny. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I feel like this is the hardest position to be because there is so many. Like, yeah. I had a list of like eight, but they weren't in any order. Honestly, though, I think. I'm going to have to go with Tilly. I I honestly you just killed I... Jenna. <laughs> Actually, I was I, I'm happy somebody else picked her. I pick her a lot. Good job, Vinvin. Well, thank you. You know, I I really really bought the enraptured with the darkness aspect of her, you know, from the beginning of the episode and last part of last week's episode just though she's doing this to save her father and just the the sincerity the showdown with gothel when she just you know supernaturally bitch slapped her mother and you know saved the day it was absolutely well done rose reynolds throughout this entire arc from the very first episode of this season you know i went back the other day and i listened and i i listened to how i kind of like seriously praised her for playing loopy so well She's been an amazing asset, and I'm very actually sad that the series is ending because I think she was shaping up to be a very long-term character, and with a little bit of time left, she's definitely been given a lot of material to work with, and she is blowing it out of the water, so she hands down as my MVP. I like it. Tilly is off the table. Why she was on the table, who knows. Heather, your MVP and why? Oh, uh, this is hard. Um, I am going to choose Margot this time. I have a whole list of them, too. Um, uh, I'm going to choose Margot. And I know that she didn't have a very big part in this episode. But when we first saw Robin, I did not like her. Um, not the first time that we saw her, like, back in mid-season finale, but when we first came back. I was, she was, I was not a big fan of her. I felt like she was, she annoyed the crap out of me and all of that. And then she's slowly been growing on me. And in this episode, I loved her. Um, she did not hesitate when Weaver and Rogers told her that Tilly was in trouble. She was like, all right, let's go get my girl. Got her. Um, that was awesome. She walked into a crazy witch ritual and ritual and didn't bat an eyelash. She was like, I've, I've faced weirder. This is cool. I can handle this. She really showed up. And I really enjoyed the reunion between her and Alice. And 
I really think that she is going to, like Vinny said, uh, with Tilly becoming a character who, if we had extended the, se- the series, uh, would have been somebody who we could have built up and had a big fan, you know, would have been an important character. I feel like Margot would, and Margot slash Robin would have been a similar big character. She's got a lot going for her, and I really, really enjoyed her in this episode, even though she was only in it for a couple of minutes. All right, so we've got one ship out the way with uh, Tilly and Margot. Katie, who's your MVP and why? (laughs) I am going to go with the most obvious answer, Henry, because I I love Henry. Um, I've loved him since the beginning, and... I have particularly liked this season because we get to see Henry. Particularly. Thank you. (laughs) Henry made made Jeff go Henry. Because. (laughs) Okay. Because I particularly liked him this season because. we get to see Henry not as this little kid that we've watched grow up um, throughout throughout this, the original series, but we also get to see him as an adult, and we get to see him with a cursed persona, which he really has never had in the show. Um, we also get to see him um, in this episode reunite with his family because we've obviously seen it in flashbacks. We've seen him with his wife and his daughter. We've seen him with his family, but in Hyperion Heights, we haven't had that opportunity um, to see him with his family and have recognition that they're his family. So I really like that, um, particularly in this episode where he, where Lucy runs up to him and is, you know, he calls her dad and, um, where he reunites with Jacinda, and um, I also loved him in the flashback. I talked about it a lot earlier, but just to touch on it again, um, I like that we got to see a portion of his life that we've never seen before, and that kind of spurred him on into his future adventures um, that led up to the season. So, um, And I really liked his essay. That was the highlight of the episode to me. So... Um, he gets my MVP. Jenna Pace, you're next. Your MVP okay. and why? I'm going to give my MVP to Rumpelstiltskin. <gasps> I like, um, I didn't get to mention this during our our review of the episode, but I really liked his apology to Regina. It felt very sincere. Um, it, it was just a good apology overall, and it makes and it makes those two coming back together feel really good and give me all the fuzzies. I liked. I felt this was a culmination of the character with his relationships with Hook, his relationships with um, Alice, his relationships with kind of with Basilier, and with Belle, kind of where he kind of admits that there might there just might not be a way to get back to her without screwing over people and he just might not have it in him to do something like that so i really feel like we've reached that pinnacle that culmination of his character and i like the the setup that what wish rumple has provided for rumple with giving him that final challenge and i'm really excited to see 
how he tackles that final thing and who's gonna and how the other characters are gonna intertwine into his journey. So yeah, Rumple, you earned my MVP. Jeffrey, what is your choice? See? I was waiting to see how you're gonna rhyme. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> I was, was fascinated. She did good though. Yes. It's like we all like got a taste of Jenna Pace's mind for a moment and it was exciting and scary at the same time. Yeah, that's me. Like the movie It. <laughs> Dude, I'm not no I'm not an evil clown. Jenna, you'll float too. You'll, you'll float, float too. too. <sighs> Jenna Is it real enough for you? Oh. <laughs> I just bought a shirt the other day at Walmart that says we all float down here. I'm so happy with it. It's fantastic. I love that. You'll float too. Oh, dang. Someone's got some gas. That was awesome. It was. Okay, so my MVP is pretty obvious. It's my girl, Regina. I'm giving it to... Yay! Yeah, I'm giving it to Ronnie. I just loved... The scenes that she had with Rumple, I love the stuff that she did with Lucy and then with Henry. Like those scenes with Henry, like my heart was breaking because she was like, snap out of it, man. Come on, believe. I know you. You're supposed to believe. Believe. Like, oh, Ronnie was just amazing. And then when Regina was like ready to bash that bitch with the baseball bat. Uh, say that ten times fast. That was amazing. Uh, it was just beautiful. And the fact that it was a kiss between Henry and Regina's forehead that <laughs> broke the curse. It was spectacular, magical. And then that final moment in which she like opened her arms to like Lucy and like they hug. It was so cute. I loved everything Regina slash Ronnie in this episode, especially the flashbacks as well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like seeing Lana with Jared, uh, you know, playing again together was uh, pretty damn spectacular. And the fact that, you know, all this time has passed and obviously whatever rift was between uh, the evil queen Regina and the rest of the Denizens of Storybrooke is like officially over, 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 like the fact that she can chat with granny and and it's no longer like the shady sass that she throws it was like loving you know respect it was beautiful i really really love that so now it is time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten apples the point system is allowed and if you found the episode exceptional deserving of more than a 10 you may grant it the coveted golden apple and uh since she is the only one that really gave a little bit of negative stuff during her initial reaction we're going to start off with jenna pace i want to point out that i said i mostly liked it (laughs) like i didn't come into this like a like a vit and pull a vinny where it's like i mostly hate it i mostly like this episode she threw vinny under the train I yeah, never say that I the hate train. them. I just give them objective criticism. Yes. <gasps> oh! <was> so diplomatic. <laughs> Later on tonight, uh, Jenna will be working on her new screenplay. It's a remake of the classic 80s film. It's going to be called Throw Vinny from the Train. 
Yes. <laughs> I'll be Patricia Ramsey. She be. was Mama, and they're Mama from the train, for those that don't know or are too young. Or uh-huh. Anne Ramsey, sorry. Anyways, yeah, you're you're gonna die, Vinny. You're gonna die. Oh my That's gosh! That's if I don't Whoa. cast my curse on you first. Oh dang! Well, fortunately, Vinny, during the <laughs> trial, this podcast will be used as evidence. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so if I disappear tomorrow, we, we got have. Jenna saying you're yes. gonna die. <laughs> Anonymously calling the police. Anyways, um, yeah, so I mostly liked this episode. The big things, the only real things that annoyed me were a little bit of an anticlimactic answer to, like, death of Gothel, just because she was this character that the whole fandom just really hated and wanted to see her get her her comeuppance, and it was just a very gentle death, though, very in character for Tilly. So I'm more forgiving of it. But really, what really pissed me off was Facilier's death. So it ends up. But I really like so many other things about it, especially like Henry's Henry's um college essay. I think that that was just a beautiful send off to the show, like a pre send off send off. It was just very kind, and all of the scenes with Henry remembering the scenes with all the scenes with Tilly and Hook and Rumple and Margot. It all came together in a lot of ways just very beautifully. So, despite my objections, despite my, despite the objections I do have, what I do like pushes it, and I'm going to give it a 9. Happy? Yes. Although that Thank still you. could be the lowest score. I don't know. Yeah, we'll never know. Well, I guess we will I know in just a moment. Loved it. So, let's see what happens. I'm curious. Okay. I like it. Curious and curiouser. Okay, so we got a nine. Nine apples from the one and only Jenna Pace. Let's see, who should go next? Typically I would go with Vinny. But I'm going to give it to Katie. Just because (gasps) she's been disappointing all of us. But maybe she'll get her act (laughs) straight in this Maybe I'll throw you under a brush tomorrow. Oh, under a brush? (laughs) Well, that wouldn't hurt that much. (laughs) <laughs> hey, maybe you need it. I don't know. <laughs> um, that would be okay. a really hair-raising adventure. I know, right under the brush. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> no, Jenna, I love it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna bring bring uh, the positivity back up again. Ooh, shade. And <laughs> and I'm going to give this a golden apple. <gasps> Bum, wow. bum, 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 bum. It's pretty great. Um, I loved this episode. I loved all the content we got. Um, the one thing I was disappointed in was the facilier stuff. But I do believe that had we been had this been put in a different situation where this was not the last season and they had more time to develop him, I do believe they would have gone on to do better things with Facilier. So I think that he was more a victim of the fact that this is the final season than anything. So it was still disappointing. I give you that. It was very disappointing. But that was pretty much the only part of the episode that was disappointing to me. I really 
thoroughly enjoyed everything else. Um, talked about it a lot before, so I won't go over everything again in detail, but I just, I really loved it. And the scene where Henry is reading the essay and it's giving us vignettes of everyone else in Hyperion Heights was one of my favorite um, scenes for this entire season, if not the entire series. So I am going to give this episode a golden apple. All right, so we've got a nine. We've got a golden. Vinny, you've been very persnickety throughout the season. <laughs> I have been going back and forth on this since I watched it. Um, and I've watched it three and a half times. Um, I, you know, one of the things that you point out, I've been persnickety. One of the things that I, I do have to stay faithful to myself about is my dedication to clarity and there are as i i loved this episode like it's really really hard for me not to give it a golden apple but i can't give a golden apple because of certain factors and no I'm clarity deducting... <laughs> all right zed <laughs> yes i'm giving it an 8.5 and the reason why is Oh. I was incredibly disappointed. Jenna Pace, I, I forgive you and I apologize <laughs> for thinking Man. you would be the lowest. I know. I laughed when you did that. I was like, oh. No, Thank you know, the thing is, <laughs> you're welcome. I, I know that they found out the series was ending. I know that they probably had to make some last minute adjustments. And I know that there, you know, there are time constraints and there's so much. But here's the thing. They're finding enough time to bring back other characters for two complete episodes to give a farewell to the series. And yet they couldn't spend two, maybe five minutes to just give us that little bit more to determine was Facilier going towards good? Was I right? Or was the Jeff and Jenna camp right? You know, and what was his backstory? What was the thing with Regina? These are important questions that... If he had been a minor character, I would have been fine with. But the fact that he was shaping up to play such a major role and then just to have the rug pulled out from under him, as much as I'm you know, looking forward to Wish Rumpel, that was a huge glaring thing for me. And especially because now that I know, when you confirm that Daniel Francis you know, let you know he's not coming back, that's a huge disappointment. I know, we're like I really... this. It, it's like uh, Heather and Bobby. <laughs> right? Yeah. You call, you call him Danny? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, d I really wish that that would because it was as much as I was not a fan of the Shadow Queen idea. I thought it would have been interesting to find out how they played that off because I agree with you, Jeff. I found it hard to think about her doing that during the Evil Queen phase. So I really wanted to find that out. And like I said, I'm a completionist, and I feel like his story never got a chance to fully develop. And I think they could have spent a little bit more time. You know, it would have taken five minutes to give us something. Um, and then my my other point five is, and you guys are going to laugh at me, but I don't care, one of my biggest excitements this season was when I found out Zelina was coming back. And then as I watched her story unravel or un unfold with Robin slash Margot, I was looking forward so much to seeing the curse break with the two of them together because, you know, they had that scene where she talked specifically about it's so hard not being able to tell her everything that's going on. And I really felt like that was foreshadowing. And so I, find, I, I, I felt just a little bit let down that when the curse broke, Zelina wasn't there to be a part 
uh, and to hug her daughter, and I really felt her absence, and that kind of made my heart break a little bit. So I'm going to go with an 8.5 for those reasons. Well, there you go. Vinny should have gone first. Heather, <laughs> what about you? Um, I'll bring the positivity back. Yay! Um, <laughs> Yay! Woo! Thank you, Katie. Uh, was that oh, also that, Jenna? Um, that was me. I was wooing. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> Jenna gave it a nine, head. so she can't woo. A nine? Yeah, that's such a low grade. <laughs> I love how she's offended. It's amazing. <laughs> we give you, we give you more credit now, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Vinny, for being evil. <laughs> I also had another evil thing and it took me forever to come up with but if Jenna's going to throw me from the train I've come up with a version where Jeff and Heather are taken by Katie and we're going to call it <gasps> we're Heather not children Heather. so she's not going to really eat scared. us <laughs> yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a version of Hansel and Gretel but it will be Heather and Jeffel oh I like it <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. But we're do gonna, continue. We're going to poke your eyes out, Katie. <laughs> oh, throw you in an oven. I'm going to check out now. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but I'm, I'm going to give this episode a golden apple. Ooh. But yes! Really? If this, is, if this is a possibility, can the golden apple have like a worm in it or something? <gasps> oh, it's like the poison apple I tried to suggest like months ago. Oh, yeah. You can, <laughs> I'll allow it since we only have two episodes left. I like yes. it. All right, so it's a golden apple, but it's got a worm in it. And here's why. Golden apple because I loved everything with uh, Regina and um, Henry. Every scene of that just was fabulous. The acting was awesome. The writing was particularly good between the two of them. I loved the fact that Rumpelstiltskin actually apologized to Regina. It wasn't some grand thing. It was something very subtle, and it mended the rift between them in a short little bit of dialogue that I thought was very well placed. Um, I loved the monologue from Jared Gilmore uh, for the college essay. Uh, I liked that it's getting back to the roots of, 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 of Once Upon a Time is the name of the show, and I love oh, that it's getting back to... I had forgotten, um, too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I like that it's getting back to the roots of that, of what the message behind this is. And I, I did sort of enjoy the fact that it was a shocking twist, because it's very rare that um, it, it catches me that far off guard. But that's also where the worm comes in. Um, I did not like the fact that they killed off Vassilier just so quickly. Uh, we've talked about that uh, on and on, So, but that's a part of it. And the Wish Rumple part, which I, I think Jenna Pace's motivation motivational speech really helped me out a bit. I love that and you call her doing... Jenna Pace too. You yeah, why do you guys call me by both my first and last name? Because it just it sounds so right. <laughs> Answer that question after Heather's done speaking. I always feel bad enough interrupting her. Oh, you're all right, Jenna Pace. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna Pace. I'm um, thinking of both of you. <laughs> um, but I, I really appreciated your monologue. Um, your monologue, your motivational speech, it made me feel a little bit better. And doing a little research and thinking about that as well has helped me come to terms. And I do think it'll be an interesting direction to take the last couple of episodes. So, Golden Apple with a little imperfection. All right, I like it. Before I go, I will say, and I was not going to announce it because I wanted to freak everyone's mind next week. But I will say it now because it'll freak your mind this week. We will be getting for the final two episodes of uh, Once Upon a Time here on Storybrooke Weekly Mirror two 
different and special rating designations that uh, will be available for all of you to use. Oh! Ooh! That's oh, all you're yeah. getting now. Okay! So stay tuned. And uh, I feel like you all know where I'm going. Possibly. <laughs> I'm giving it a golden. I liked it. As I mentioned yes. uh, during my initial reaction, the two little things that bugged me, which basically was Wish Rumpelstiltskin and uh, Facilier's death, are easily, or I should say, it's easy for me to gloss over them because I really liked everything else in the episode. Sure, it was a little bit rushed. I'm used to it by now, to be quite honest. Subtle shade, Adam and Eddie. But uh, I found myself really, really liking it. I was on the edge of my seat. I was curious as to what was going to happen next. I was annoyed. I was happy. I was excited. I was confused. I loved that I was right, um, as if you didn't know. And uh, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, and I thought it was a... Uh, a great way to sort of end all of the Hyperion Heights stuff and to lead us into what I'm assuming is going to be sort of like a two-hour adventure that will uh, completely end the series. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Storybrook Weekly Mirror. Follow us on Tumblr, Storybrook Weekly Mirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Night. Night, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night. Yeah.